All right, you guys. Let's get back to our seats, because I don't want anybody to miss anything. You can talk afterwards. Come, come, come. So our kids have worked hard uh, to put together a Christmas play that'll tell the story of Jesus. And so I'm going to pray, and then we're going to let them take over, okay? So God, we pray that you would bless this time, that we would receive this offering that these kids have put forth, this work they put into this portrayal, Lord. And I pray that we would understand and hear your story and that it would touch our hearts and you would meet us in this time and just bless this whole play in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. You guys are on. Why? I just don't understand. Me too. It just doesn't make any sense for him to come down from his throne and be born as a baby. To be born in the natural world as a human? Yes, he's the king over everything. My point exactly. He had it all. He had everything he ever needed in heaven. What could he possibly want down here? You're right. He does have everything he needs. It's what he desires that brought him to the earth. I will show you both. Looking down upon this one Seems so easy to embrace That this is just a newborn one Just like any Yet all the while his 
whose eyes you see full of fire and jealousy. You're lying there so helpless. You're lying there dependent. You're lying there. You're unable to stand on your own. You're unable to do anything at Chosen. 
many miracles we have witnessed, but I still don't fully understand. Jesus is revealing the works of God by performing these healing miracles. He was sent to proclaim freedom for the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind and to set the oppressed free. The healing of these ailments are symbolic of how sin can affect mankind. Jesus is the light that sets them free. What does it mean for the future of mankind? It is a glimpse of what is to come. Then will the eyes of the blind be open and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like the deer, like a deer and a, the mute tongue shout for joy. But what about feeding all those people? Jesus could have easily Jesus asked his disciples to feed the multitude. He could have easily fed them on their own, fed him fed them on his own. However, he was showing that he likes the partnership between mankind to usher in his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. If they would be humble enough to bring their own gifts, God would fill in the rest. Okay, I believe I'm beginning to understand. Jesus is also showing that the Father is all the provision his beloved needs. And that God is such a good Father that he's willing to give them more than they could ever imagine possible. And what have you learned from his death? Surely he took up their pain and bore their suffering. Yet they considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. He was pierced for their rebellions and crushed for their sins. The punishment that brought mankind peace was on him, and by his wounds they are healed. He also defeated sin and death. Therefore, his beloved heart is glad and his tongue rejoices. His body will rest secure because God will not abandon his beloved to the realm of the dead, nor will he let his faithful ones see decay. I see you guys are beginning to understand, but that's not all. There is i 
Oh, 
Guys, that was awesome. I teared up again. So, who? Yeah. I don't know. We should leave Jesus' chair here. I think. Yeah. Maybe I can set my stuff in Jesus' chair. He won't mind. I'm not that tall. I'm not James Downey. Yeah, guys, that was awesome. And I want to especially thank um, Jenny and Martina for all the work they did putting into that. So let's give them a round of applause. For that. But guys, I'm really proud of you guys. That was really awesome. I mean, y'all were telling the whole story of Jesus. It really did. I did tear up. I'm not lying. But I want to say just a couple of things really quick. I know we all have so much to do today, and Christmas is so busy, but... I wanted to just finish out. We've been doing a couple messages. Um, we've been talking about noticing Jesus, and this is the final thing that we wanted to talk about. Sort of a couple weeks ago, I mentioned this subject in general, the idea of God being in our midst and us missing things or something like that, and Kevin talked about expectation last week. And so just as a final Christmas idea, uh, I wanted to hit this one more time just so that we have this in our mind when we're with our families tomorrow, the next days, these few days going into the new year. Um, that so much that we focus on God these days tends to seem to be, at least in my mind, like us, the idea of like, like getting out of our situation. Like, God, like seriously, I got to get out of here or something like that, you know? <laughs> or have you seen this place? Like, this is a mess, you know, that kind of attitude. And it's not totally wrong. You know, it's important that we take honest stock of the world, the fallen world that we live in. And there's bad things that are going on, bad things that some, some of us are experiencing really horrible things right now. Um, and if it's not us, it's other people in the world. I was thinking today, this morning, just reading even the news of the situation still in Israel and Gaza and the people that are just find themselves there. You know, you're a kid and you grew up and you happen to live in this war. I mean, this is a horrible situation and it can feel hopeless. I want to take a minute and pray, actually. Lord, I would just pray that you would continue to bless the situation in the war in Israel and Gaza, Lord. And we pray for all of the children, especially, that are caught up in the crossfire, that don't even know what's going on. Lord, I pray that you would comfort them and meet them, especially on a night like tonight. The people who are actually in the city of Bethlehem, Lord, I pray that you would bring peace. And Lord, you are the, the ruler of all. Lord, to the, to the people that are still captives, God, I pray that you would somehow meet them in the same ways you did in the book of Acts, where you would do miraculous things, Lord. We pray for a miracle of a healing and an end of this war in Jesus' name. Amen. Sorry. So there's actually terrible things going on. So I'm not saying this is not a view that we should have. I mean, it certainly is. We need to escape. And that's actually, the name of our church is Maranatha. So we're, we're very aware of the idea of the longing for the return of Jesus and the end of all the things. But just as depicted by the, the kids just now, and the angels were telling the story, the, the, at Christmas, God did something that was unexpected. He came to be with us in our situation, which seems like a plot twist a little bit. You're like, get us out of here. He's like, I'm going to come be with you. Remember the Emmanuel? This is what this word means, God with us. And Jesus came to be with us in this situation we find ourselves in. And through his actions, he changes everything. Not just taking us out of here, changes everything. And so I wanted to challenge us in this time is to, it's important to be focusing on God, how long, the Bible says. How long, O oh Lord, will this will continue, you know? But it's escaping our situation verse, also noticing Jesus' activity within it, long, looking for what Jesus is doing within our lives. Now, this is the thing I think can get lost if we're only looking to escape. 
Everything's about escape. You can miss what God is doing, and you could easily miss, just like if you think this story we were just talking, Jesus is born, and in the story in the Bible, Jesus is born, and he goes, and everybody's moving around because they're being taxed, so they have to go to the town they're from, and so Jesus' parents have to take him down to Bethlehem, and then there's no, like, so many people are moving around, there's no space left, and so they end up having to sleep in, like, the barn with the animals because there's no space left, and you think, to us, we're like, we have a manger scene, and it's really pretty or whatever, you know, and you're like, look, it's so special. Jesus was born. But it's like a really weird story. It'd be kind of like your parent, you know, God was, you know, Jesus is being born. The Savior of the world is being born, but there's no more room, and so they had to spend the night in the garage, the parking garage because they had to stay in their car, you know? And there's people in the hotel. I mean, the hotels didn't work exactly the same way, but you get the point of what I'm making. You could easily miss that. You could have been there in your nice bed that, and be like, this is a really great hotel I'm staying in. And you don't know that in the parking garage, the Savior of the world has been born just right over there. And this is the kind of thing that God's always doing. Dallas Willard says in uh, The Divine Commodity, he says, the ordinary is made to be the receptacle of the divine, a place where the life of God flows. And we see this in Christmas God, Jesus could have shown up as a, you know, like the second half of that, where he just comes out as like a full-grown man. You know, that almost seems like in my mind would make more sense. Like, hey, and then this guy showed up out of the desert doing healings and stuff. But he doesn't start there. He starts as a baby. And he actually starts way before that with covenants and things and people. And you remember like when the Israelites were coming back into Israel and the temple had been destroyed, but... God had made a lot of promises, one of them being, you know, the coming of the Messiah and all this sort of thing. But the temple and all this stuff, the bad guys had torn it down. And they're like, well, we're going to rebuild it. And it's like, okay, we're going to rebuild it. And it ain't, it's not going super great. I mean, it goes okay. And the, the Zechariah, you see this, this prophecy where he says, don't despise this, the beginnings of small things. You know, small things. Of the, I think I have that in there, don't I? Maybe. Maybe not. I can't remember. I didn't put the quote in here. I just have it that when they're, they were, you know, God's always, Christmas reminds us that God always is starting with small things. He doesn't, everything he does isn't small. But often when he starts something, it starts with small things like seeds or like a baby. And we can miss that. And the scriptures we read today when we did the candles, uh, you see this reflected in Micah 5.2 when they said, But you, O Bethlehem of Ephrathah, you who are... One of the little clans of Judah, from you shall come for me one who is the rule in Israel, whose origin is from old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor brought forth, and then the rest of kindred shall return to the people of Israel. The small clan, the nobodies, you're going to be the ones who bring forth the Savior of the world. Sounds unbelievable. Or in Luke, when we read like Mary's kitchen, this is actually happening. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me and and holy is his name. That... We know who Mary is, so it's like, well, duh, yeah, sure, Mary's Jesus' dad, or mom, sorry, Mary's Jesus, in this day, don't get confused, (laughs) Mary's Jesus' mom, sorry, (laughs) but uh, that wasn't supposed to be social commentary, but the, uh, uh, (laughs) 
We know who she is, but she's realizing this. And that sounds unbelievable. Like when the angel shows her, hey, you're going to have a son who's the savior of the world. And you're like, are you talking to somebody? Like, you know, I'm the only one here. You know, anyway. And so it's like this. Life is mostly small things. Like not only is God active in small things, all of our lives are mostly small things. And no matter who you are or what you're going to do, and we'll talk about this when we get into the book of Ecclesiastes in January, it's always going to be mostly small things. There are going to be big moments. There's going to be big days. But even a lot of those are going to be defined by small things. So there's this idea that one day I'll escape the small things. And the truth is, the small things is mostly what life is. I might, by the time I'm older and wiser, say that's all that life is, but I'm only 40-something right now, so I'll at least say mostly. But I feel like it's always how it's been, as we see what Jesus did, and it's always how it's probably going to be. And that changes what we might be escaping from, you see? Because Jesus was born into the exact same kind of life that we live. He was born into it. And he did a lot of really awesome stuff, as the kids just depicted. He did a lot of awesome stuff, but he was born into it. He didn't just, and take everybody away. And so much of our Christian imagination involves that, and taking everybody away. And it really kind of works the opposite. It ends up landing in a similar place, where, which we'll read when we light the last candle of Revelation. And, you know, when there are no more crying, and it's going to be good in the end. And when Jesus returns, all these things will be made right. But he comes in dwells with us. That's what the Emmanuel thing is about. And this is really kind of what the movie It's a Wonderful Life is about. You know, and if you haven't watched that in a while, I'll put it on tonight. It's a good movie. You know, and the guy's like, one day I'll be important, right? One day I'll do something that matters. And, the, and it's not a Christian movie per se, but God has to show him, you've already done everything. Like, I've actually given you a wonderful life, and you've been running away from it to try to do something important. And what you start to realize is that so many things in this world that we think, or that I'll speak for myself, that I have thought are important, actually aren't important to God, and vice versa. There's a lot of things I would think are, nah, no big deal, and God cares a lot about that. And you can see a lot of that pattern in the Bible. It didn't make sense that God chose the Jewish people. You can always read, like, we can Monday morning quarterback the thing. We're like, well, sure, Israel's a big deal. Most of the Bible's about Israel, you know, okay, whatever. You know, and they're like, like, and he says, you are the least people. It didn't make any sense to a human eye. It made sense to God's eye. Now, we can see that it makes sense to us maybe, but it's, 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 it's in the human frame, it makes no sense. It's the kinds of things that God's always been doing. And it's going to be like that in the end. Leslie Newbigno says, like, there's one thing we can be sure about. That at the end, when you look at Jesus' parables and how they kind of end, there's surprise in there. What? That's this? When they, and even people are like, well, I did all these things in your name, Jesus. I did all this. And he's like, you, I never even knew who you were. In Luke 13, you see this. People will come from the east and the west, and the north and the south, and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first, and first who will be last. And I pray that uh, we're going to be the kind of people that can notice Jesus moving in the small things. 
I had a funny thing happen to me a couple of years ago. This is my this is my illustration, and I'll. Uh, <laughs> this is not to endorse smoking cigars. This is a box I got from my granddad. But the uh, do whatever you want. The uh, <laughs> the point is when I was we were up there. My my we were at we were visiting my parents, and we happened to have a, a period of time where. Uh, there was a couple days we didn't have to do anything, which we travel to visit my family or Carrie's family. It's always around holidays, so there's always things, you know, and it's great to see everybody, but there's like, then we have this, then we have that, you know, and there was this weird thing because my grandmother had passed away and there was a funeral and there was a kind of gap of a couple days where we just had nothing to do, which was really rare. And my dad had kind of been for a while, you need to get your crap out of the attic, you know, like I had moved all my stuff, but there was a bunch of crap in the attic. And I was like, okay. There is never going to be a time when I can do this, but I can right now. And so as a kid, I had kind of had all sorts of stuff and a lot of garage, whatever. I had a lot of junk in the attic. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to clean this out right now. And so I set to do it. And I was telling my kids, like, I got all this awesome stuff. And da, da, da. And then we were, Carrie and I were talking, I was like, there's some stuff, maybe it's worth money. And, you know, there was collectible things and da, da, da. And I'd saved all this stuff. And I was like on it. And anyway, we were bringing stuff down and like, my brother was helping me, and he was like on eBay, and he's like, "Yeah, that thing was actually worth less now than it was when you bought it." And this other thing is like, da, 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 da. and I was like, "I don't want any of this stuff," you know. And a lot of roaches. It was just like you know, just junk. And so we ended up just like throwing out like all of these things that I had saved because they were so important to me, right? Like you have things like this is so like in that moment, twenty years, thirty years ago, whatever it was, I was like, "This is awesome," and I need to save it. And then it was like. And then I would open, then the next moment I saw, I'm like, this is crap. I'm throwing this away right now, you know? And so this was a pattern that was going on for a long time. But as we were doing that, I found myself, like, there were these other boxes where as a child, I had packed them by, like, taking a drawer and just dumping it in a box. And then, like, all right, Mom, I packed, you know? Some of these were from our old house that had never been, this is a long, you know? Anyway, the point is, as I was throwing out everything that I had saved because it was so important to me, I would find myself going, you know, I actually think I want to keep this. And I filled up this box and a couple other ones with, I know no one can see, so I took a photo of like, this is the kind of stuff we're dealing with here. Like, I would run into, I remember getting this plane. This is like super awesome. And then, so it was like this box of what as a child I would have thought was just total junk, to me now was like, it was like a time capsule. And all the things that I'd saved as a child as being super important, like things like, I don't know, collectibles were just junk and I threw them away. But this plastic car with pre-inserted firework that's not been set off, I was like, this I need to save. Things like that, you know. Or Transformers stickers, you know. And uh, anyway, so the boxes, I saved a few more things than this, but it was almost this giant pile of stuff went down to nothing. And it sticks out to me is that so much of my life is spent worrying about and caring about and being burdened by and struggling with all of these things that when you have a change through what God has done and maybe moments of, of revelation or reflection, you realize just don't matter. And I'm not saying that this box of stuff does matter, but it was at least, you know, reminiscent to me of things. But there's a, there's a, there's a godly version of this that's happening. Kayla, you can come on up here if you want. We're going to close today by singing the song Silent Night, and I'm going to light this last candle, and then we're going to pass this flame around to all of us, because we live in a dark world. We know that, and we ultimately do long to escape, 
that Maranatha cry. They're like, Lord, please come. Come and end the suffering. You know, how long, O Lord? You know, but there's also set right beside that Maranatha is that understanding of Emmanuel. And really, this prayer that like, Lord, we want you to ultimately come. But we also want you to help open our eyes to see how you're already among us. And even just, God, you became a man. You took on flesh. You're so beautiful. The, the song they were just going through depicts this. So I'm going to read this last scripture. I need some youth to help pass these candles out, and I need one too. Just take them around. I think we have enough for everybody. If we don't, then, you know, share. Yeah. <laughs> we are people who like to share. But the symbol of this whole thing is this last candle in the Adventist stuff represents Jesus being born. Finally, this, this last candle is the Christ candle traditionally. And it represents the birth of Jesus, the moment that this thing happened, this unexpected thing. And it starts really small because you could have missed it. You could have been in Bethlehem and not even known this was going on. And frankly, the only people that knew what was going on, like angels told them and stuff. So like really not a whole lot of people were, were aware but then you see it. You see it through the story of what Jesus did. You see it like what the, what the kids just depicted. You see the truth of like, there's something different going on. Jesus has done something that has changed everything. He's offering salvation to the world for those who put their faith in him. And we can and we will. And then you get the light. And then you tell other people about the light. Like you saw the kids, they would turn and go, no, I saw him. He's, I saw him. And then they spread the light. And then slowly the darkness turns into light. Wherever you pass this light, that's the symbol of what this represents. And we're going to sing Silent Night as the tradition you do at the end of a Christmas Eve service. But I'm going to read this revelation because this is kind of one of the ultimate ends of all things, the end of ends. Revelation 21, verses 1 through 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe away, or he will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. And this is the prayer that goes along with it. God of love, Father of all, the darkness that covered the earth has given away to the bright dawn of your word made flesh. Make us a people of this light. Make us faithful to your word that we may bring your life to the waiting world. Grant this through Christ our Lord. Amen.
Jesus. I love you guys and Merry Christmas. I pray that you have a good time with family. Reach out to people around you that you know that might be left out. And I'm going to pray as we go. Lord, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you, lift up his countenance towards you, and be gracious to you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen.